So let's open to Ruth chapter number two tonight. Tonight we're going to be covering a large portion of this chapter, and I'll, uh, I'll not read it all right now. We will read it as we go through it tonight. But in Ruth chapter two, Ruth herself takes center stage in the story about her redemption. In chapter one, we learned um, how God redeemed her from sin. It began when we were introduced with the man Elimelech, who was a Jewish man, lived in Bethlehem, but decided to take his family out of Israel and go into the heathen nation of Moab because he was afraid that they wouldn't have enough food because of the famine. And there in Moab, he ended up dying. His sons married Moabite women, and they died in the land, leaving Naomi, his wife, and his two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, widows. So in chapter 1, Naomi decides to go back. Orpah stays, goes back to her family, but Ruth cleaves to Naomi, and uh, she makes uh, her statement of faith in chapter 1 when she tells Naomi that her God, Naomi's God, would be Ruth's God. She placed her faith in the Lord God, and, and when she did that, God saved her, and she was redeemed from her sins. But in chapter 2, we go to, on to learn how that, that God would redeem her from the tragedy that she had been through, and that He would turn that worst of trials into one of the most amazing triumphs in all of Scripture. God sovereignly worked in Ruth's life to put her in the right place at the right time to meet the right purpose, all to fulfill God's plan for her. And it's amazing to see how God did it in her life. You know, there's no such thing as luck. Nothing happens to us by mere chance. While it may seem like a coincidence to us, nothing is a coincidence with God because God is sovereignly working in our lives to achieve His perfect purpose in us and through us. We are not at the whims of randomness. Aren't you glad of that? Because there's so many times in life that things happen and we just can't explain it. It just doesn't make any sense, and it seems like it must just be blind luck or mere chance. What a blessing it is to know that there is a sovereign God who is in control of our lives, and He's orchestrating every event so that we get the maximum benefit and so that He gets the ultimate glory. And God is working in your life right now just like He was working in Ruth's life all those years ago. Trust what God is doing and obey what you know to do. And God will guide you and he will provide for you just like he did for Ruth. Look with me in our text here. We'll begin with verses 1 and 2. Ruth chapter 2, verse number 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. Now in verse number one, we are introduced to this man by the name of Boaz, who is going to become a main character in this story as well. He was a relative of Elimelech, the man we met in chapter number one, which is a very important point. And as we go along through the story, we'll learn why that is. We're told that he was a mighty man of wealth in verse number one. He was, he had a 
uh, obviously a, a lot of money, but he had a large farming operation, as we'll see in this passage as well. He was a man of, of, uh, of substance. He had a lot of material wealth. And this really is in great contrast to Ruth and Naomi, because at this point in the story, they have virtually nothing. They don't even know exactly where their next meal is going to come from. Now, why this man was mentioned and what part he plays in Ruth's redemption, we're going to have to read the rest of the story to find out. But then in verse number two, we return to Ruth and Naomi. Now, remember, they're back in Jerusalem, or Bethlehem, rather, the place where they ought to be. They've come back from the uh, Moab, and they're now back in, in the promised land. They're amongst God's people. Uh, and we, we've talked about this road to recovery that Naomi and in some ways Ruth has been on as well. Well, they're back where they ought to be, but there's still a lot of uncertainty in their life. The decisions of just a few days or a few weeks have not erased all of the pain and all of the consequences of a decade that they lived in Moab away from where they ought to be. They don't have much materially, and so they have to turn their attention to some very practical things like providing their, for their own basic needs, including just something to eat. And so in verse number two, we read that it was Ruth who spoke up and asked Naomi if she could go and glean in the fields so that she and Naomi could have something to eat. So number one on our outlines tonight is Ruth's obedience. Ruth's obedience. As we begin to consider, the title of the lesson tonight, by the way, is God's providential plan. And as we think about the sovereignty of God and His providential plan for our life, and we talk about how God is always working in us and through us to accomplish His will, it may be curious to you that we're starting with Ruth's actions and Ruth's behaviors and Ruth's obedience. But that's where the story starts. The truth that God is sovereign and that he has a providential plan for us does not mean that we get to sit back, be lazy and slothful, and demand that God provide us with a basic standard of living. God's sovereignty should not be an excuse for our laziness or our inactivity. It doesn't mean that we should just expect God to drop everything in our lap because God commands us to do certain things, and it's as we humbly obey those commands in dependence on God that He provides for us and He guides us. Probably heard the illustration, you can't steer a parked car, right? I mean, you can turn the wheel back and forth, but you're not going to go a different direction if you're not going anywhere. Well, the same is true spiritually. God will guide us and He will provide for us, but it requires us to obey what God has already commanded us to do. As we obey God and as we work hard, depending on the grace of God for the strength to do it, God supplies abundantly and God guides providentially. Ruth demonstrated this important balance of work and dependence when she volunteered to go work gleaning in the field so that she and Naomi might have food to eat. This was not an act of selfish, self-righteousness or independence. But rather, by doing this, she was expressing her dependence on God through obedience to His command. You see, God had commanded that the orphans and the widows in the Old Testament 
be sustained by the process of gleaning. Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 24. Deuteronomy 24. Verse number 19, we'll look at in a moment. This was part of the Old Testament law. For the nation of Israel, uh, these were national laws. So this was the law of the land that they had to abide by. Notice what the Lord told them in verse 19. Deuteronomy 24, 19. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field, and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. So God included a provision in the law where those who were having a hard time, those who were poor, those who uh, perhaps didn't have other people to help take care of them, such as the fatherless, that's orphans, and widows, whereby they could have the basic necessity of life, food to eat. And it was through gleaning. Two important things to note here. First of all, there was a responsibility on the part of the community. God told them, if you're out gleaning your field and you forget a sheaf, tough luck, leave it there. Don't go back and get it, leave it, and do it on purpose. Leave it purposely for the widows and the fatherless to be able to come back and to be able to gather it for themselves. So there was a a responsibility for the community. But very importantly, there was also a responsibility on the part of the individuals in need. They were supposed to go and pick it up. That was the gleaning process. In other words, they had to work for it. This wasn't a handout. This was simply an opportunity for them to work so that they might eat. Now, we don't know how much Ruth was taught about the Old Testament law. I think it is very likely that she knew of this command And she knew, given her position and Naomi's position as widows, that the right thing to do was for her to follow this specific command and go out and find a place where she could glean in order to take care of herself and Naomi. Now, let's be honest. This was not very glamorous work. It meant she was going to go out in the heat of the day. She was going to work in a dirty field. And she was going to be, most of the time, bending over, getting things off of the ground. It was going to be hard work, but it was honest, good, hard work. Ruth Ruth was humble, and she was hardworking. And it was through that humble, hard work that God provided for her. You know, a lot of people want God to provide for them, but they don't want to put in the hard work for it. You know, God, I've got this bill, help me pay it. And by that, what we mean is send me a random check in the mail. But what if God says, all right, here's three hours of overtime. What about that? You know, we ought to be willing to work hard. That's not self-reliance if we're doing it with the right motive. It's acknowledging the command of God that we, if we will not work, we should not eat. But we work in humble dependence on the Lord to provide for us through that process. So she's obeying this instruction of God. But then there's another instruction that I see that she's obeying in verse number two. And that's one of the Ten Commandments, actually. God said, honor thy father and thy mother. Exodus 20 and verse number 12. 
Now, Ruth applied that command to her relationship with Naomi, even though Naomi wasn't, wasn't her biological mother. She still honored Naomi in two ways. First of all, she honored Naomi by working to take care of both of them. As long as she was able, she was not going to allow Naomi to starve. She was going to do what she could to take care of Naomi. And because of Naomi's age, it was likely that Naomi might have been limited in the amount of physical labor that she could do. Ruth took the responsibility to provide for them both to the best of her ability. But then secondly, she honored Naomi by seeking Naomi's consent before she acted. Did you catch that? She went to Naomi and said, let me go. Now, Ruth is an adult woman. She was married previously, so she would have been, you know, running her own household. But she still wanted to honor Naomi as an older woman, as her mother-in-law, whom she respected. She wanted to honor her wisdom and her experience. And so she sought her permission, her consent, before going out to glean. Now, what makes this especially remarkable is Ruth did not grow up learning the Bible. In Moab, she would have learned all about worshiping idols and all of the wickedness that was involved there. And so what the Old Testament law said in Exodus 20:12, honor thy father and mother, was something that she would have learned later in life. And her knowledge of the Old Testament law in general may have been rather limited. But here was the important thing. She was doing what she knew to do. She was doing what she knew to do. You might say this way, she was living up to the light that she had. She was obedient to do what she did know that God said. You know, too often we worry about what we might be missing. Oh, I, what, I might not know this, and what about this, and what about that, instead of focusing on what we already know we should be doing. Somebody summarized it this way. It's not what we don't know that hurts us. It's what we do know, but don't do. If we would just be obedient to do what we already know God wants us to do, God would guide us and God would providentially provide for us. Sometimes we struggle with this when we're making big decisions in life. We want to know God's will. We want to do God's will. And so we ask the Lord to guide us. But sometimes in those positions, we fail to, we, or we overlook areas of our life where we are not doing God's will that we already know. I mean, there's plenty in the Bible that God has said, this is my will, do it. And the first place to start with doing God's will is doing what you already know to do. And it's as you are obeying God, and it's as you are living a life of humble dependence on Him, that God will guide you into the unknown. Because there are a lot of things in life that if we were to sit down today and we were to try to map out the rest of our life and guess how long we're going to live and what we're going to do all along that whole process, we would be totally stumped. We have no idea. So we know there are a lot of things that are uncertain. How can we be guaranteed that we're in the will of God when we get down there? By being in the will of God right here. And it's as I live in the will of God every single day that I can look back and see how God guided me all along so that I remained in His will. If we want further guiding and provision, we must be obedient to do what we already know to do. Psalm 37 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. 
That's the kind of life that Ruth was living. That balance between our work and our trust in God comes when our work is done in obedience to God's word and in reliance on God. We must work, but we must do it for the right reason and with the right attitude. We do what God has commanded us to do, and we trust God to do what he has promised that he would do. So then we notice, secondly, God's, God's guidance. I love verse number three back in our text of Ruth chapter two. Ruth chapter two, verse three. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. You see that little phrase, her hap was? So the idea there is it just so happened that. She ended up in this field belonging to a Boaz, the relative of Elimelech. So backing up just a little bit, Naomi consented to let Ruth go. Ruth went out, and she didn't go out with any specific field in mind, apparently. She just went out, she chose a field, and she got to work. Ruth did not know who Boaz was, so she had no idea that the field belonged to him, or that that man was one of her father-in-law's relatives. But it was that choice, that simple decision to pick this field over that field that ultimately started a chain of events that ended with her redemption and Naomi's as well. And the way that verse 3 states it is that her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz. In other words, she didn't select the field for a particular purpose, but it was no accident either. Because behind this, there is a sovereign God who is working His plan in Ruth's life. God was in control. He was orchestrating the events to benefit her the most and to glorify Himself. God sovereignly guided Ruth's steps to this field, even though she was not aware of it. You cannot deny the sovereignty of God in this whole story. This wasn't mere chance. And this is so encouraging to me. I just imagine if Ruth were like some modern day Christians, standing on the roadside, there's a field over here and a field over there. Which one do you pick? They both look equally good. Same amount of people. Nobody looks scary on either side. Which way do I go? Some Christians would be so tied up in knots over having to make that decision that they would sit down on the road and cry and not get anything done. But Ruth knew something. She knew that God said, go glean in a field. He hadn't given her any other specific instructions than that, so why worry about something that God hadn't commanded her about? Just do what she knew to do, which was get in a field and get working. And it was as she did that, that God, in the way that only God could do, just guided Ruth over here to this field. The field that just so happened to belong to Boaz. That's how God guides us. God doesn't send us special messages in the sky. He doesn't send us a text message 
We're not going to get spam calls from heaven. God guides us through the truth of His Word and through His sovereignty and through His providence. We apply godly wisdom as we obey the Word of God. We seek godly counsel. We make sure that our lives are lined up with Scripture. We depend upon God to guide us. And as we go through life, we trust in God and God alone. Not our wisdom in making right decisions. Not in our friends who are helping us in the process. We trust in God and we do what we know to do. Psalm 37, 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. It's imperative that we recognize this truth and that we walk then in humble dependence on God's guidance. Not depending on our own selves to make the right choice, but depending on God to guide us into His perfect will. The truth is, we cannot guide ourselves into what is perfect and right. You are incapable of directing the course of your life in such a way that results in your blessing and God's glory. You can't do it. You're incapable. It's not that we're just bad at it so that we mess it up sometimes. It's that left to our own devices, we will mess it up every time. Listen to what Jeremiah 10.23 says. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. You can't do it. You say, well, that doesn't sound very encouraging. I mean, I may not be the sharpest crayon in the box, but I'm pretty smart. Can I make some right decisions on my own? No. No. Because even if it happened to be a good decision, it would be made for the wrong reason if you're doing it on your own. No, we are utterly and completely dependent on God to guide us. We only have to look back at chapter 1 to find out what happens when you follow the way that seems right to you. That's what Elimelech did. I'm going to leave Bethlehem, I'm going to go Moab because I think they have more food in in Moab than they do in Bethlehem. What happened? He died there. His sons married heathen women, then they died there. He did that which was right in his own eyes, like Judges describes what was going on during this whole time period. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes, and the result was a disaster. Because Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So we cannot overemphasize the importance of this one act of obedience on Ruth's part. She did what she knew to do. If she had chosen to stay home that day, Or if she had chosen maybe just to go out on the street corner and and beg for a little while, instead of following God's word and finding a place to work gleaning in the fields, what might have happened? God is sovereign, and we participate in that sovereign plan that God has for us by following the guidance that he gives in his word. The principle is simple. We do and we go what we know God wants us to do and where we know God wants us to go. And as we do that, He guides us along the way into His perfect will. So we don't have to tie ourselves in knots trying to discover God's perfect will as if it were some long-lost treasure. We don't lean on our own understanding, trying to figure it out on our own. We trust God. We must obey and have faith. That God is guiding us as we do what He commands. 
Number three, let's notice Ruth's reputation from verses 4 through 7. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. So here we find where this story begins to converge, where Ruth's simple act of obedience and God's providence are now coming, coming right together. The importance of her choice is seen immediately when Boaz returns. And what is, what is the first thing that he noticed? Rather, who was the first thing that he, first person? Ruth. After a brief exchange with his employees, he asked the supervisor, who's that lady? Now, what caught his eye? We can only speculate. But the answer that he was given reveals a lot about Ruth's character. First of all, it was no secret that she was not a Jew. She was a Moabite by birth. And that made the following information even more striking. Because she was known as the Moabitish woman, but the one who came back with Naomi. I, I'm, I'm just going to hazard a guess that they knew about Orpah too. And they would have known that Orpah didn't come back, but Ruth did. And then the supervisor relayed how that she had approached him respectfully. He said that she came and asked if she could reap among the, uh, glean among the uh, reapers that day. And she had been working all day and had just recently taken a little break. And, and this is just a very simple picture in this response from the, uh, uh, from the supervisor of the reapers to Boaz. But in that little picture, we get this very clear image that Ruth was a woman of genuine godly character. So simple what she did, but yet so revealing, so telling. I mean, what do we know just from this? First of all, that she was obedient to God. We've already covered that. Second of all, that she was respectful to authority. She didn't run out in the field and say, all right, I have a right to be here. Everybody move aside. No, she, she, she came to the, the boss and requested permission to glean in the field. We also know that, that she's humble enough to accept menial labor like this and she's willing to work hard. She'd been working all through the day until that particular point in time where she had stopped. And it says, how does it say it there? She tarried a little in the house. She hadn't been lounging around in the house all day. She was just taking a little break. Later in the book, in chapter 3, verse number 11, Ruth would be described as a virtuous woman, the only woman in the Bible by name that is called a virtuous woman. And it was Ruth's godly character that really caught Boaz's attention. I'm sure that Boaz found her to be an attractive woman. I have no doubt. But that's not what really got his attention. What really got his attention was her character. And it was that character that God used in Boaz's, Boaz's life to motivate him to want to take care of Ruth. See, we cannot misconstrue the sovereignty of God as an excuse just to live however we please. Some people, some people take the idea of God's sovereignty to that length, and that's wrong. 
say, well, God's sovereign. I can just do whatever I want. God's just going to do whatever he wants anyway, so why can't I just do whatever I want? That's not a biblical idea of sovereignty. Our choices do matter because it determines whether or not we participate in that program, in that perfect plan. We enjoy the blessings of God's sovereignty when we choose to walk in righteousness. That's what Ruth did. And that's why this story occurred. But we forfeit the blessings of God when we choose to live selfishly and sinfully. As Jeremiah 5.25 says, Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. It was because of her godly character and her right decisions that Ruth received a tremendous blessing. And so let's notice finally God's provision. Look with me at verse number 8, and we'll read down to verse 17. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? When thou art athirst, go into the vessels, and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and thou hast le- how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thy handmaidens. Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean among the sheaves, and reproach her not, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. As we consider God's provision it was really more than just the food, the grain that she got that day. God provided her with many things through the generosity of Boaz. The first was that she was provided with security. He said to her, don't go and glean in another field. You stay here. You glean in my fields. She had a sure place to come back to. But then he also said that she could glean with his maidens, the the girls working for him. She could be with them. So she had, she had friends, you might say, that she could be with. She didn't need to worry about finding other places to glean. She was always welcome with his workers. You know, the need for security is a real thing. It's a basic human desire. Everybody wants to feel secure. We want to feel sure. We don't like uncertainty. And Ruth had been through a lot of uncertainty in her life. There was a lot of times where she had no idea what was going to come next. And for her to be able to know that when she woke up the next morning, she had a place to go. She had something to do where she could work and where she could get what she needed. 
would have been such a blessing. She didn't need to worry about finding other places. You know, God sometimes allows us to go through a period, a phase of uncertainty or insecurity. It doesn't mean that we've done something wrong necessarily. Sometimes God does that to teach us to rely on Him for our security and for our certainty. So sometimes we get a little complacent when life is steady, life is going along smoothly. We forget that God is the ultimate source of our security. We begin to trust in the stability of life instead of trusting in God. And so sometimes God shakes things up a little bit. And it's at those times that we have to be reminded that the only place where we can find true security is in God Himself. Paul put it this way, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. That's the ultimate bedrock of security right there. It's knowing that God can keep you saved. And if He can keep you saved, well then He can certainly keep you secure in every other way. But then along with the provision of security came the promise of safety. He told her, I've commanded my young men not to touch you. You don't have to worry about anybody bothering you, Ruth. I've made sure of that. I've taken care of that. You're going to be safe here. No one likes being put in a situation where they're afraid. And just like security comes through the Lord, true safety comes from the Lord. He's our refuge, a place that we can run to and always be safe. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. But then also God provided Ruth with sustenance that day. That's what she came for in the first place. She needed food to eat for her and Naomi. And God provided for her abundantly. The Bible says there that she worked all day gleaning, and when she was done, she beat it out, and she did not leave empty-handed. In fact, when she got home, Naomi would be shocked at how much that she had. Verse 17 tells us it was an ephah of barley. How much is an ephah? I didn't know either. I had to look it up. It's about a little more than one bushel. How much, how much is a bushel of grain? I didn't know that either, so I had to look it up. Roughly 60 pounds of grain. That's a lot of grain. That's 12 five-pound five bags of flour from the store. Do you know how much bread that will make? I didn't know either, so I had to ask my wife. I mean, if you used a pound of flour per loaf, that's 60 loaves of bread. For just two women, that'll go a long way. That'll go a long way. God made sure that she had more than enough. God supplied for her in a wonderful way. Psalm 37, 25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God provides for those who follow him. And he can do so abundantly if he chooses. God doesn't promise that we'll always have way more than we need, but you know, often that is the case. Because God is certainly able to give us abundantly above all that we could ask or even think, Ephesians 3.20 says. And when Ruth asked Boaz why he was being so kind to her, what did he say? He said, because it's been told me how you left 
your family. And you've come here with Naomi to a people that you didn't know, a place you've never been to. I've heard of your reputation. I know you're a lady of godly character. And so he said in verse 12, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Now let me ask you a question. How did Boaz know that Ruth was trusting God? Did she tell him? No, there's no record of that. How did he know? He saw it. Because truly trusting God is not sitting on your hands expecting everybody else to do for you what you ought to do for yourself. Truly trusting God is obeying the word of God and getting to work doing what you know God wants you to do. Truly trusting God is obedience. That's how Boaz knew that she was trusting the Lord. God had a sovereign plan and he was working it in Ruth's life. Ruth's part in that plan was obedience and faith. And unbeknownst to Ruth, Boaz later in this passage ensured that she would always have enough by telling his employees to purposely drop extra for her. He said, let fall some of the handfuls of purpose for her. So as they were going along, the people that were working in front of, front of Ruth, every once in a while, they would just, oops, drop a little extra. What a beautiful description of, that, of God's blessing on our lives. We don't deserve anything good. But God purposely blesses us with so much more than we need because He is a kind and a loving God. Just stop for a second. Take inventory of your life right now. Everything about it, everything that you possess, your family, your friends, all of the wonderful memories you have, and even the hard ones. All around you, there are scattered handfuls of purpose. Blessings. God didn't have to give you, but he dropped them so that you might have them. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is, there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. And we read this story of Ruth, and it's easy sometimes to think, well, of course, this is Ruth. It's a Bible story, important, famous person. Yeah, we see God doing that in her life, but that's not, that's not normal. Yes, it is. You see, just like God had a providential plan for Ruth, God has a providential plan for you. You don't know all the details. You don't need to know all the details. If you knew all the details, you'd probably mess them up. But God has a plan for you. All you need to know, God will show you in due time. So don't get all worked up in knots about what you don't know. Focus on what you do know. Be concerned about what you already know God wants you to be doing. Be obedient to that. We must be obedient to God's word. 
and trust him to accomplish his will in us and through us. And then we will get to enjoy God's guidance and provision. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are so faithful and so good. What an encouragement it is to read over this story tonight and to learn this truth that you do have a providential plan for us and that our part in it is to just obey. And as we do, in humble dependence on you, you guide us and you provide for us so that you accomplish your perfect will in us and through us. And Lord, we get to enjoy the blessing of that. So Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in us to remind us that we must not trust in our own abilities and our own understanding, but to humbly and faithfully trust you and live in obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.